Husker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco Realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Hi, Britton. Hey, Matt. Welcome to the neighborhood. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. It's a, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Won't oh you God. be my neighbor? Aren't you, are you Mr. Rogers? Mr. Rogers was such a cool guy. He was. Did you watch the movie about him? No, I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard it's fantastic. I can't. I, I watched the preview. Did you cry? I did. Aw. Which reminds me of a, a story about being at a dinner party and someone else talking about seeing the Justin Bieber biography that brought him to tears. I'm not going to say who. But we've digressed. We're here to talk about neighborhoods. We are here to talk about neighborhoods. So, and, you know, I was a suburban kid, and I watched PBS in the afternoons, Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers. That was my introduction to the the world of neighborhoods. There was a bell outside the side door on our suburban home that my mother would ring, and there was a park at the top of the street that we were allowed to play at, and I would hear it. And my brother would hear it, and that was when it was time to go home for dinner. And everyone on the street knew each other. I'm not like, we didn't get together. It wasn't like a block party kind of street. But, you know, everyone was looking out for everyone else for the most part. When I was uh, five years old, we moved to Anchorage, Alaska, and we lived in a brand new subdivision. So everybody moved in all at once because the houses were all being finished roughly at the same time within several months of each other. And so everybody was new. Nobody knew anybody. So everybody, you know, oh, the, the people three doors down are moving in and people would bring them cookies and Welcome them to the neighborhood. That's going to be kind of an interesting experience. Like, I never lived in a brand new neighborhood that was just forming like that. Mm -hmm. We always lived in established neighborhoods. And I went from suburbia uh, to rural, rural Michigan, a very small town where you got the first day of deer hunting season off as a school holiday. Wow. That was culture shock. Uh, and then, of course, I've lived in San Francisco for the last, you know, 20-ish years, which are uh, a very urban city. Well, until you get to the west side. <laughs> and I have to say, you know, I love the wilderness. I love uh, being outdoors and I love cities. But suburbia just seems like a poor compromise. It is very kind of middle ground. I mean, you, you're you not in the, the, the dense area of a city, but... You still need to get in a car to do most things. Well, it's interesting because, you know, the the west side of San Francisco kind of has these early versions of suburbia residence parks where, you know, they were built kind of roughly starting around the, you know, 1910, 1920. And it was trying to get away from the, the hustle and bustle of the busy city. Um, and it was kind of that first take on trying to bring nature. Yeah, and calling them residence parks um, was supposed to be very descriptive of the fact that they had, some of them have wider streets, like St. Francis Wood has wider streets, um, and many of them have, if not full-size parks, they have open green space, maybe the size of a lot or two that was preserved as open green space, and St. Francis Wood and Ingleside Terraces, they they have um, like the big roundabout traffic circles with greenery in the middle of them and what this intersection needs is some shrubbery exactly <laughs> um 
You mentioned something that I've often wanted to to do, which is measure the width of San Francisco streets by neighborhood. God, you're weird. Thank you, I know. But <laughs> there's particular there's the street in Sunnyside where people, even when they park halfway on the sidewalk and fold their mirrors in, still like those streets are so narrow that bad things happen consistently. I Yeah, there's streets in certain neighborhoods that, by all rights, should either have no parking on one side of the street or be a one-way street. Yeah. But there are streets where parking is allowed on both sides, and you cannot in any way, shape, or form fit two cars through it. So people do the bob and weave. You know, they'll... Hello, Bernal Heights. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's... And it's... um. Is it Congo in a... Yeah. 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 That street is so skinny. So skinny. So, yeah, you know, and then there are neighborhoods like St. Francis Wood where the avenues are all spacious and and you've got plenty of room to park on both sides of the street and there's still plenty of room. Some of them even have little planted mediums. So, yeah. So, one of these days, I'm finally going to find someone to help me do this project of, of running about with a tape measure to vary it. At various streets. In all of your free time. In all of my free time. Well, speaking of, I, I've got more So these days. You do. Yeah. Thank God. But uh, <laughs> back to neighborhoods. So what do you think makes a neighborhood? I think in some ways it's um, just geography. Just take Bernal Heights. You mentioned Bernal Heights. It's a hill. And Bernal Heights, the whole neighborhood, it's actually one of San Francisco's larger neighborhoods. But it's the whole hill, top to bottom. And um, with it's the Bernal Heights and the Bernal Valley all in one. Well, I mean, the hill is on the top. It goes down to the some natural boundaries, like 101 on the on the east and um, Mission Street on the west. And so it's um, that being that neighborhood and 280 is, on the south, right? I yeah, mean, pretty much St. Mary's Park. Yeah, um, and it's um, so some of it's geography, and then some of it is also the era. Of construction, like sometimes neighborhoods are. I'm thinking, of course, of San Francisco. Um, what do we think of any place else? <laughs> Does well, some place else exist? <laughs> other places exist. But we actually, um, we've we've stumbled on one here: Bernal Heights, St. Mary's Park. Is it's a, a neighborhood within a neighborhood, right? And the St. Mary's Park is um, the streets are shaped like a bell because of. It used to be the the university, or right. there was a thing there. <laughs> there was the thing there having to do with St. Mary. <laughs> Something with nuns, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. But there was a bell. The streets are shaped like a bell. Yes. So that's a neighborhood within a neighborhood. Um, but is it its own neighborhood? It's still Bernal. Or I guess it's almost like the buildings in Soma are kind of like that. I mean, there are... A, a building is a neighborhood within a neighborhood, you know? What do you mean by that? Like uh, the watermark, right? right? I mean, its neighborhood is South Beach, but the watermark has its own vibe, its own style, its own set of people that you see on a day-in and day-out basis. You get to know the names of your front desk people. And, I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know, what St. Mary's is to Bernal, any building is to the neighborhood it's in. It's kind of like a, a micro hood. Oh, let's not be ridiculous. <laughs> let's not be ridiculous. Let's not call it a micro hood. I mean, it's, but it's, it's that same idea, you know, I mean. Well, it's your, I mean, that, that your building could be your daily environment. 
Well, you know, I mean, any of the, the full stack amenity buildings, right? You know, you'll use the gym there. You might use the owner's lounge. You'll get to know the people in the building. You know, if they've got concierge services right. and attended lobbies, you get to know their names and, you know, the person who's got all of your Amazon packages and, I mean, and if you're at Lumina, the the valet people who bring you your car every morning, right? You know, or at the Harrison, they have the little grab and go shop with coffee and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So these things that in a neighborhood you might walk out your front door and walk down the street and do all happen in this very contained space. So it's a small neighborhood. How small can a neighborhood be and still be a neighborhood? Well, if you go by. The San Francisco Association of Realtors map, the smallest ones in San Francisco are only a couple hundred homes. We've been working on uh, a big neighborhood project, and we have been spending a lot of time getting very intimately familiar um, with San Francisco's uh, sub-districts in the MLS. And there are some, to your point, there are some really, really small ones. Um, I think it was Merced Manor that is two blocks by 12 blocks. Yeah, Merced Manor. Um, and then Sherwood Forest, I think, is actually considered the smallest neighborhood in the city based on the number of homes. It's fewer than 200, I think. Um, Little Hollywood, super tiny. Yeah. You know, I mean, I like I would give sure I think it gives Sherwood Forest a run for the money in terms of number of homes. And what's interesting, I mean, Sherwood Forest, it's uh, a west of Twin Peaks neighborhood, uh, uh, D4 in the, the San Francisco MLS. Um, how big would you say it is geographically, like roughly? I mean, it's it's probably, I think there's one main street that goes through it, Robin Hood, and there's probably five or six streets that cross it. It's tiny. Right. But just like, into, like you know, a couple blocks. It's, just, it's like maybe 10 by 10, 5 by 5. Yeah, something like that. It's small. So, but 200 homes. And then how many homes are in one rink on hill? 300, I think. Yeah, like 300 and change, 319, 320. Yeah, well, I think, um, and you're, but you're more likely to run into your neighbors in Sherwood Forest. I mean, more of your neighbors, I should say, because if you're at One Rincon Hill or any of the other high rises, you might run into people on your floor or whoever you randomly end up with on the elevator, unless you're using the amenities. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It just, I, it, uh, it fascinates me that we have these west of Twin Peaks neighborhoods that have at most a couple hundred homes that take up blocks and blocks of space, whereas you just drive across town to South Beach, Soma, and you have the exact same number of homes in a vertical community that takes up a, you know, a 25 block. by 25 foot lot. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, the, like when the, the pictures for, um, you know, the foundations for One Rink on Hill and uh, the Harrison in particular, they're just such, you know, tiny little plots. And then, boom, hundreds of homes. Well, and I think um, when I was researching Midtown Terrace, I think I read that it has 650 or 850 homes. It's um, something like that. And that's... Let's call it a thousand, let's right? Let's call it a thousand. That's Lumina and Infinity. Yeah. And or the, 10 South Van Ness. Yeah. When it, when it gets built. Yeah, that's going to be 980 80. or something like that. Right. So that's an entire... I mean, in Midtown Terrace, is the entire back, pretty much the entire backside of, of Twin Peaks. Yeah. So we've definitely... Um, the urban core of San Francisco is definitely a lot denser than the Western neighborhoods. 
Just a little bit. Just a bit. <laughs> so we're sitting here talking about what we think makes a neighborhood, uh, but we live in San Francisco, which has a department for everything, and the planning department actually has a web page dedicated to what makes a neighborhood. What do they say makes a neighborhood? Eight things. You ready? Yep. Number one, walk to shops. A great neighborhood has stores and shops that satisfy everyday needs within an easy walk from home. Everyday shops and services include quarter groceries, daycare, cafes and restaurants, banks, dry cleaners, bakeries, and the like. An easy walk is about five to ten minutes. That's item one. Okay. Walk to shops. Number two, safe streets. A great neighborhood has safe and friendly streets. I really don't think anyone's going to argue with that one. Nope. Um, Streets are a pleasant part of the neighborhood. Oh, how I long for the days when that was universally true in San Francisco. Seriously. (laughs) Uh, Residential streets feel public and more like open space than traffic ways. People feel like they belong on neighborhood streets. And in a great neighborhood, people can walk without fear of crime, being threatened by traffic, or being disturbed by excessive noise. That is a very idealistic definition. I was going to say. All right. Um, Get around easily. Item number three. A great neighborhood has many choices for moving to, from, and within it. Great neighborhoods make it easy to move about on foot by bicycle, transit, and auto. They accommodate the car but allow people to live easily without one. This is just like such from the city hall. It's so high in the sky. Uh, Item four, housing choices. A great neighborhood has a variety of housing types, a mix of houses, flats, and apartments of various sizes to meet different needs and preferences. Next up, gathering places. A great neighborhood has places for people to meet, talk, and be neighborly. Public gathering places include parks, plazas, sidewalks, and shops. City services. A great neighborhood has a full range of public services for residents, including parks, schools, police, fire stations, libraries, and other amenities. Number seven, special character. A great neighborhood has its own special character, shaped by physical settings, streets, buildings, open spaces, history, culture, and the people who live in them. In great neighborhoods, these attributes combine in unique and memorable ways. And finally, part of the whole. Great neighborhoods make great cities. Great neighborhoods stand out on their own, yet are connected to the city. They can be a refuge for their residents, but are also a part of the city's wider community. That is the gospel of good neighborhoods from the San Francisco Planning Department. Oh, I love this city. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So how many neighborhoods does San Francisco have? It depends on who you ask. If you ask... I'm asking you. (laughs) If you ask the San Francisco Association of Realtors, it is 89 neighborhoods. At the moment. At the moment. If you go back to like the 1964 MLS books, which I have because I'm me, we had a lot less when we started the multiple listing service. I'm not surprised. So, for example, what is now um, Western Edition has always been a neighborhood that's been in the, the multiple listing service for San Francisco. Uh, it used to, it used to be, huge. be enormous. It used to be essentially the 94115 um, zip code. Uh, and 94109, right? Like all of Back Heights was in Western Edition. It was just one neighborhood. It was also the days when if you had um, a tall vertical building, they just put the picture of the building in sideways. <laughs> Love it. 
So, so yes, at the moment, San Francisco Association of Realtors says we have 89 neighborhoods. Um, do you agree? I, I think um, some of them are probably, some of them are so small and to my eye, not really distinct enough to be. I know you're thinking about Merced Manor. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Some of them, I think, are a little too granular. And, and it's it's mainly in District 3 and District 4, which are the southeast and kind of south-central neighborhoods. Yeah. And well, and, and, west, yeah. and very central west of Twin Peaks. The Lakeshore, Pine Lake Park, Merced Manor. I mean, they're all one and the same to me. Merced Manor is over in District 4, isn't it? Or am no. I thinking of... I'm thinking of Merced Heights. You're thinking of Merced Heights. See? This is... Right? <laughs> Which isn't even, like, contiguous with Merced Manor. It's not. Right? And, um, and then there's Balboa Terrace, which is across town from Balboa Street. Yeah. And why Balboa Terrace? I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't write that name. I didn't <laughs> oh, Let's put that on your to-do list, Matt. No, let's not. Um, Wikipedia says we have 121 neighborhoods. People at Wikipedia have far too much time on their hands. That is us. I mean, not that we are Wikipedia, but, you know, Wikipedia is just everybody. I know. And yes, they do. We are Wikipedia. But Wikipedia says, it calls, you know, for example, Bayview Hunters Point is their name for one neighborhood. And the San Francisco MLS has Bayview and Hunters Point, although that's a whole other story in of itself because the shipyard is... What was Hunter's point? Um, so there, there's often disagreement, and I can also think of some bloggers over the years that have gotten in uh, great piles of internet mockery for attempting to describe or name or create San Francisco neighborhoods. Well, the one that killed me was Baja Noe Valley, which was the the eastern edge of um, the Mission, where because the Mission and Noe Valley border they they touch the. The border for Noe Valley makes no sense. It's Guerrero, right? I'm uh, not. Way to put me on my toes. I, I can't remember. No, it is. I think it is Guerrero, but it goes so far. It goes a lot further to the east and to the south than you would think. I mean, most people kind of think of Noe Valley stopping roughly Dolores as you're headed east. Right. Um, but it keeps going, to your point. Um Valencia Guerrero, because you can get down all the way to like, you know, what, Cesar Chavez and. Yeah, it goes on um, Guerrero and then at 26, it juts out. Right. So, I mean, if you lived at Guerrero in 26, would you say you lived in Nelly Valley? According be, to this, I would. But I'd be saying I live in the mission. Yeah. According <laughs> to this map, I would live in Noe Valley, but I would definitely feel more like the mission. Yeah. And I, I, you know, being so historically involved in the association, I feel like I have to go to bat for them and say, like, they never set out to name neighborhoods other than the fact that everyone needed to agree on being able to call something something so that you could advertise it or sell it or say, like, this is where the house is for sale. And you still see realtors get, like, super optimistic with neighborhoods all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, Outer Coal Valley, Um, you know, like Upper Lower Knob Hill. There have been some some interesting suggestions over the years. So the San Francisco MLS 
had to name neighborhoods so that people could list properties, some form of, of standardization. But now that map search is how most people search for anything, you know, the whole need to name a neighborhood is a whole lot less important, right? Yep, exactly. And for the most part, you know, I think San Francisco MLS does a pretty good job with it. As soon as you get to the, the boundaries, it gets really iffy. Uh, like Noe Valley is a great example. Uh, Forest Hill and Golden Gate Heights. I'm looking at you. Well, when I've been in meetings where people have discussed changing the boundary of neighborhoods and when Civic Center, when Van Ness Civic Center cuts in or Civic Center Van Ness, I don't remember which comes first in the name. Um, it sort of goes up and then it juts in on Franklin. So because there were buildings that were sort of similar to buildings that were a block away. And if I mean, now there's a neighborhood that exists purely for geographic grouping of buildings by value. I mean, no one really says, hey, I live in the Van Ness Civic Center neighborhood. Right. People might say they live in the Civic Center, you know, but they're more like or they would say, you know, Hayes Valley or, or Tenderloin. But, you know, what most people call the Castro is called Eureka Valley on the MLS map. So are you saying that the Association of Realtors is homophobic? I'm not. It was actually... It was, that actually it was, came up a few years ago, didn't it? Yeah. It was. It made the, the internet rounds. And, you know, it has nothing to do with that. Do you know what the Twin Peaks are? Um, Eureka and, and Noe. And what would be below each of those peaks? Noe Valley and Eureka Valley. Ding, ding, ding. You know, that was that is probably going to be the where this that's going to be people's favorite part of this podcast. They learn something new. That's what we're here for. I know. So everyone, it's it's kind of uh, it it reminds me of a Supreme Court case uh, about something that's not neighborhood related, which is, you know, it when you see it. Stop watching porn. (laughs) I didn't bring it up. But it's like that's what a neighborhood is like. You you know it when you see it. And you can talk about all of these elements, um, but at the end of the day, it's it's kind of like it passes the smell test. Either it's there and it's a thing, or it's not. Yes, it has to. Um, I agree with you. There, you actually were involved in changing the SFAR map um, to move a boundary slightly, and you went and drove it, and you saw what the person who suggested the change was talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it made sense based on this little tiny sliver of land that felt much more like whatever was on one side of it than the other. And it made sense to, to change the boundary on the SFAR map. Yep. Uh, that was a, a D4 boundary adjustment. And I've been on the MLS committee enough years to have uh, heard a lot of requests from agents to move a street here or a street there into a different neighborhood. And it is so shocking that they always want their street moved into the more expensive neighborhood. Funny how that works. <laughs> so that's a neighborhood. We love you, San Francisco neighborhoods, all 89 to 121 of you. Wherever we slice you, we love you. Escrow Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com.